0: Hey, this is Todd Robinson, and welcome back to the More Than Recovery podcast. We are glad you're here today, and we're going to tackle a pretty tough topic today—one that's been on my heart for a while. And um, I've titled this 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 podcast "The Coming Addiction Crisis." And you may say, Todd, well, we're already in an addiction crisis. It's on the news. It's it's everywhere the, the 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 amount of drugs and the amount of addiction and those who are struggling with addiction. We all know somebody who is struggling with an addiction. It used to be that it was an anomaly. When I was growing up, the the drug crisis or the amount of people who are struggling with addiction of any type, it didn't seem as uh, as prevalent as it is today. And perhaps there's more information out there today. Perhaps we're just, people are being more honest about their addiction. Um, we can't hide things as much anymore as we used to. But perhaps uh, there's a deeper problem, and I believe there is a deeper problem, and I believe that we're going to see an addiction crisis coming in the coming years, in the next few years, as we and we'll look at the data here in just a minute but i believe we're just beginning to enter into this crisis that we're in now um our children are vulnerable and what i mean by that is we are feeding as adults and as a culture we are feeding into our children whether we know it or not we're feeding them addictive tendencies we're feeding them the, the 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 fuel that will ignite and and push forward that addiction crisis in the next 5, 10, 15 to 20 years and even more if we don't get this under control. What we're looking at today is we look at our teenagers, our adolescents, even even younger as we look at our children 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10 years old. And then pushing into those teenage years. We're looking at a mental health crisis right now amongst our young people that is not matched by the adult population. What I mean by that is our teenagers and even younger, our children are entering into a crisis, a mental health crisis, depression, anxiety, cutting, uh, attempted suicide that is moving at a rate that is not matched by the adult population. And and that is significant. Um, typically, historically, the rates of depression and, and, and suicide attempts, anxiety, are much higher amongst the adult population because the stressors are usually greater. But the stressors that are on our children right now are just tremendous. And you might say, well, what is driving that? Well, there, there is one thing that almost all the research points to right now. And what is driving the crisis that has hit our children? It can be summed up in one word: information. Our children are receiving too much information. Our adults are receiving too much information. Used to be when I was growing up, as many of you, I'm fifty-six years old. Uh, the uh, the the amount of information you got was in the daily newspaper that was day-old news, day-old information. You got the morning news, you got the evening news, and then all of that was old news, so it already had time to to process through and filter through everything, the the culture, if you will. So it had time to play out and to kind of settle down. Today, information flows to us so quickly. That all started years ago. We probably remember, and I participated in Desert Shield, Desert Storm, and we remember the CNN 24-hour news coverage of that war and the information was constantly flowing, and information came out quicker than you could process it, and by the time the information came out, it had already changed. Uh, something had already changed in the information um, that we were quick to, to make a, a, a assessments and assumptions, and, and in that, uh, the, the emotions that are, that are produced in that type of information environment are just tremendous. You, you ride an emotional roller coaster, and that was back, that that was back in nineteen ninety ninety one. That's been decades ago now, and now we're in a culture where it's not just CNN twenty four seven; it's Fox News twenty four seven. It's NBC. We have streaming shows where we're streaming those through our television. We have information at our fingertips through an app or through the uh, through the internet. Um, back in nineteen eighty five. Then Senator Al Gore coined the term "information." or let me get that right. He coined the term um, "information superhighway." The information superhighway was intended by everybody that was involved in in seeing this uh, this internet in 1985. It, it it barely existed. It did exist. Um, it, it started in its fledgling environment, really, in the early '80s late 70s at Stanford University and then pushed on out from there uh, into the public. Um, But but once once the information superhighway became a little bit more popular, we saw that as just a great benefit to society. Access to information 24-7 that we had never had before. Nobody could really see the negative impact of that. It just was all positive. And it looked like it was going to be a great thing. And obviously, I'm, I'm here with you right now, and you're listening to me through an internet-based podcast, through perhaps social media, uh, through some venue that you're listening to me. So we're using it here, and it, and it does serve a good purpose. However, we have, we have not been able to, filter, uh, to place a filter on, uh, on, on, on what we receive and how often we receive it. We were at dinner the other night, my wife and I, and we were with my uh, my son and his wife and it 's so tempting for all of us just to while we 're sitting there at the table to get on our phones and get into our own world and we isolate ourselves and we 're not intended for that we 're not intended for isolation like that, and uh, we all do that. I watch families and they 'll have little children and they'll set them at a table or will be in public, and the first thing that they do is they put in front of that child some type of a streaming uh, program uh, or, or something. Is They're training that child's brain at a very, very young age to engage in that media, and it's dangerous. It's extremely, extremely dangerous. Now, we are going to have our teenagers today, our, 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 not even our teenagers, I see kids with phones out there and uh, with 24 7 access to information that it's never, never ending. And, and our, that young brain and that mind, they were not intended to process that information at the rate that they are receiving it. The adult mind is not designed for that, it's not designed to take in all that information process that information, and then at a young age, it then has to decipher what that means without adult supervision. Uh, it's, it's just an out, 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 outrageous uh, cultural phenomenon that we have entered into with the, with the age of social media, the internet, and all those different things. Um, if you'll recall, if we go all the way back to Genesis in the Bible, in Genesis chapter 1, 2, and 3... Uh, we see creation we see we see man, Adam, and Eve and their design, and God had put in their in the garden where they were living. He had put in the garden uh, one tree that they were not allowed to to eat of or partake of, and that was the tree of knowledge of good and evil. I say often that was a tree of information that God did not want them to have. Uh, there was information in there that was existed, it existed but it was not beneficial to Adam and Eve. That information, God said you don't need the information that is contained and accessed through the eating of the fruit in this tree. And we are feeding that fruit to our children every single day, almost 24 seven. Even in school, they're getting it uh, uh, and it's unfiltered. Um, Whether it's private school, whether it's public school, Uh, Even homeschooling, we have to be very careful because there's an isolation there in homeschooling that's just uh, that's just incredible. There's several studies out there right now. Some are older, uh, some are not. um, But just just in the last few years, amongst uh, just uh, uh, our young people, we're we're seeing an increase of over 10, 11, 12 percent in the amount of mental health. Issues, negative mental health health issues in our in our teenagers, in our young adults, in our college students, in our high school students, um, and, and, it, and again, it outpaces that uh, of our of our adults. Um, the again, and it, and all the data or most of the data is is directly connecting these mental health issues back to back to the access to twenty four seven information we have put our children if we could call if we if we're calling the internet and, and the access to all this data and information if it's the information superhighway well we have put them on the not the autobahn but the infobahn where it is this this super highway of information and it's dangerous if i put a child out there on the autobahn in germany and give put him in a vehicle and tell him go get it, it's going to be it's going to be very very dangerous and that's what we're doing to our children's brains. And they are not ready to process this much information and it is spinning them out of control mentally. So now what are we doing? We are medicating our children at very, very young ages. We are, we are introducing our children that, the, that medication is the, is the solution to the problems that they are facing. And I'm not opposed to medication. But if you're placing your children on this medication without proper, godly, healthy counsel and you're not reducing the information that they're getting fed day in and day out, then you're doing them no good. Uh, The medication is a band-aid. It doesn't help to repair the damage that is being done to our brains. It is is just helping them to suppress it uh, so we don't have to deal with the emotional outburst of our children or with the cutting or with the depression or with the with the attempted suicides. And, and what our children are doing is, is, is their brains are very, 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 very plastic, if you will. As children, uh, children can memorize things quickly. Uh, children can learn things quickly. Uh, that's why we put our children in school at an early age because their brain is plastic. This is called neuroplasticity. And because the brain is so plastic as a child, when they take stuff in, they learn it quickly and it sets in there for life. By the time you are hitting about anywhere from eight to ten years old, you're setting that brain pretty solid. If you're not teaching and and getting your kids the right information and limiting information in their early years. eliminating and and keeping them from information they don't need. Your job is to protect your children, not expose your children. Your job is to make sure they have the right information, not any information. Your job is to make sure your children are properly informed or not informed that's our job our job is not to let our children figure it out and make their own decisions that is not our job that is that is uh, that is irresponsible that is irresponsible parenting um, our job is to make sure that they're getting the right information limited information and wrong information that comes into them our job is to is to correct that and to correct it quickly uh, we have to make sure that we're, we're collecting, we're correcting those things and any, any unnecessary information that's coming there, we have to limit. We must, must, must limit the amount of information that is coming to our children. Television, uh, streaming devices, uh, and our television is a streaming device, but I'm talking about your phone, your iPads, your your tablets, uh, your computers, and all those things that we tend to just, there are modern day babysitters, and what they're doing is they're they're setting our children up. They're setting your five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten-year-old up for addiction. That's what they I'm not saying they're all gonna become addicts. I'm not saying that. They're all different personalities, all different backgrounds. We understand that. But if we want to understand why we have this huge increase in the mental health issues that are striking at our, our teenagers and at our college students, we have to understand where it's coming from. And what we put into our brain, what we put into our mind is what we become. Proverbs tells us that as a man thinks, so is he. You are defined by what you think. You're defined by the information that you put into your brain that your mind then focuses on and it contemplates on and it meditates on these things and it meditates on these things. And the more it meditates and the more it sees them, that's what they become. Your children are going to become what they're hearing on a daily basis, so some of the things that that we're seeing out there right now with this constant flow of information and I, and I put down I put down four or five things here that that I have taken notice of that is happening in our in our teenagers out there I've spoken at several high schools here recently um, and and when I bring these things to light the teachers uh, they are all shaking their heads going, that's exactly right. This is exactly what we're seeing. Uh, when you, when the students are hearing it, they're responding. And, and they understand they're struggling. They may hide it, but deep down, many of them are struggling and they will never, ever say anything because they're too embarrassed. They think that they're going to be uh, singled out. Um, they think that they're going to be called odd. They believe that they're not... They believe that they're the only ones probably struggling with some of these things while many others are struggling with these things as well. So here are a few of the things that uh, we're seeing right now amongst our teenagers and our children, those younger, 8, 9, 10 years old. The first thing is, is comparison. A constant flow of social media information and videos is driving our young people to incessant comparison. They are enamored with by, by these YouTube families and these what they call influencers, I hear my own daughter she 's in college she 's a junior in college. I hear them talking about influencers on youtube and 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 there's now children who are who when I was in, when I was in, uh, in, in in sixth seventh eighth grade, if somebody asked me what I wanted to do, I used to tell them I want to be a building contractor well that 's not what I am but I, I had these I had these ideas of what I wanted to be. Um, some of these children, uh, they want to be influencers. That's what they, they want to be a social media influencer. Um, you have TV shows out there such as 16 and Pregnant. What a terrible message that's sending our children, our teenagers. Their peers share pictures and stories that present a primarily positive image or a positive side of life. Nobody's going to put out their negative side of life out there on their on social media, uh, for the most part, there's a few people that do that. We understand that, but most people are putting, "Hey, I'm I'm at the beach. I'm out to eat. I'm doing this. I'm with my friends." And when somebody sees that, and they they feel like they've been left out, a young lady sees a group of her friends that are out at a movie or out to eat, and and then wonder why and wonders why she hasn't been included. Well, she starts to make some conclusions there that are probably false conclusions. There's comparison. She's comparing. They they see pictures of somebody at a party or a get-together. It breeds envy. It breeds jealousy. It breeds anger. Um, and, and all of these things. The peer pressure, there's already enough peer pressure for a teenager without social media, without all of these information uh, avenues that, that come to their to their brains and their minds there's already enough peer pressure and already enough stress in that teenager's life as they're going through the changes of life at that time man there's already enough uh, pain comparison uh, there's already enough jealousy and envy and now in this culture today we have thrown gasoline on that fire and we wonder why our young people are struggling with depression, discouragement, anxiety, with, uh, with cutting, with hurting themselves. Uh, it's no wonder uh, we as parents have allowed this and we have, we have provoked this. Uh, th- today, the pressure for our teenagers is, if you're my age, the, the pressure today is many times greater than any time we, we could have imagined. So, number one, there's the comparison issue that, that's driven by social media and those different uh, avenues. Number two, our, our kids, our teenagers, our young people have become what I call busybodies. <laughs> uh, it's a fairly new cultural trend here amongst our young people. Uh, it, it, the sharing of their entire lives on social media, and parents were guilty. We're sharing our children's entire lives on, on social media people are voluntarily surrendering their privacy. We, we we as a culture, we used to value our privacy. We used to value those things that happened in our home that nobody else knew about, what we what we what happened around the dinner table, what happened around the game table. You know, what happened on vacation with our family. Those were those were intimate private things and now we're just they're, they're, and I'm guilty. We're all guilty of this, and we have to be careful of this. Again, there's a level of this that's okay. But there are some people, and especially amongst our teenagers, who think they have to share everything, and they're exposing themselves uh, to, to people they shouldn't be exposing themselves to. They're exposing their lives uh, in a way that uh, all of a sudden everybody has to know everything about everybody and they become nosy, busybodies. If we're not sharing, then something's wrong. And they think they have to know everything. So right now our young people today have become, they're becoming so arrogant that they think they have to know everybody and they're, in, they're offended and insulted if information is kept from them. Uh, they become busybodies. They're, they're, they become, uh, they're comparing themselves to one another and, uh, and it's destroying them. The American Psychological Association reports that since the 1990s, university and college counseling centers have been experiencing a major shift in the needs of students seeking counseling services from developmental and informational needs that have turned into psychological problems. In 2014, there was a national survey of college and uh, college counseling centers. Uh, The respondents reported that 52 percent of their clients 52% 52% of their clients had severe psychological problems, and an increase from 44% just a few years earlier. A major or a majority of the respondents noted an increase just over the past five years in anxiety orders, in uh, crises that were requiring immediate attention or an immediate response, uh, for, and, and, then, and then things that involve psychiatric medication issues, clinical depression, in 2016, a survey of students by the American College of Health Association, 52.7% of students surveyed reported feelings that they were hopeless and another 39% reporting feeling so depressed that it was difficult for them to function during the past 12 months. For a whole year, they found it difficult to even function. And basically, a lot of this, they're saying, is attributed to the excessive information that is coming into our children. So number one, comparison. Number two, they're becoming busybodies. Number three is directly related to that, narcissism. Narcissism is when a person has an oversized view of their own importance and influence. It used to be that the only person, the only people that were out there, their pictures were out there publicly all day long were, were, were movie stars and celebrities. Today, everybody's a celebrity. Today, everybody is, is all over the internet. Everybody's picture can be found. You can Google your own name and you can, you can pull up um, pictures of yourself uh, from different social media sites. We're all, now we're all famous, or at least, at least we think we're famous and we're not. And it's feeding an ego in our young people. And they crave this. We all crave it to some level. But when, you're, when we're feeding it, feeding it into an immature child or teenager, we're setting ourselves up for disaster. How many likes can I get on a picture or a post that I, just, that I just put out there on social media? How many people, or who didn't like it? How many people liked it? And then who are the ones who, who didn't like it, who, who didn't share it, who didn't comment on it? And it, 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 it makes us ripe for an ego and narcissism that it's very, very unhealthy. And unlike we've seen in, in recent history, unlike anything, the constant flow of information on social media sites sets off a chain reaction of people wanting to make a name for themselves. Again, we used to see only Hollywood actors and actresses displayed all over the place. now. Now, now it's all of us. Fourthly, and here we go, addiction. According to AddictionResource.com, the misuse of technology can lead to a dependency and it can assume a nurturing role for other behavioral addictions outside the Internet. So, information coming to us through the Internet, according to AddictionResources.com, breeds a dependency and a nurturing role on other addictions that can be gained outside of that information That's flowing to us. Uh, According to some of the investigations that have been made, pathological gambling, drug addiction, and neurobiological are common uh, issues that we're seeing right now amongst our teenagers. Um, Anything, all of these things are causing our children to become very, very, very compulsive. The compulsive behavior is just overwhelming. Essentially, technology and the flow of information on demand, the information on demand. I just I just have an app that gives me any information that I want. It's causing severe psychological dependency amongst our population and especially amongst our young population. It's causing serious, pro- serious problems with the ability to cope with emotions while at the same time stimulating the brain like a drug. Uh, our, our children are becoming emotional uh, disasters. Um, they can't deal with their emotions. That the information that's coming into them overstimulates them. They're too they're too immature to know how to deal with it. We as parents are disconnected from these things. We don't understand what they're seeing, what they're watching. Um, we don't we don't live in that world that they live in, where it's uh, with their friends. It's 24 seven. It's all the time. And we have got to get engaged with our children. We have got to, and we've got to put some limitations on these things. Finally, the last one. So far we said comparison. Number one, comparison. Number two, we become, uh, we are becoming and our children are becoming busybodies. Number three, narcissism, that inflated ego. We think that we're something and we're nothing. Uh, we think we're, we have this over, oversized view of our importance. Number four, addictions. And then finally, number five, we're breeding isolation. I mentioned this just a few minutes ago. Many people complain today, of our, especially amongst our, our young people, many, many of them are complaining of anxiety and nervousness when spending too much time away from their computers and their phones. And what do they typically do in order to gain that time? Is they isolate themselves. They go to their bedrooms, they find a place to, to get off by themselves, and they isolate themselves away from people. And that, We're not designed for isolation. We're designed for community. We're designed to come together and be social for fellowship. That's what we're designed for. There are times when we need to get alone, certainly. There's times when we need a break. But when we have that break, it needs to be away from the social media. It needs to be away from the television. It needs to be away from the computer. There's a time and a place for isolation and for us just getting alone and getting quiet and spending time with with God. Did you know that your brain, every single day, your brain needs a time of quiet? 15 to 20 minutes of quiet time. Uh, this is a time that uh, many uh, uh, neuroscientists will tell us that that's a time that the brain has to, to, to reset. It's called, a, it's called default mode. Our brain needs an opportunity to reset itself during the day. And it's not a time of napping. It's not a time of... of, of of uh, chatting on the internet with your friends. It's a quiet time alone for 10 to 15 minutes every single day. The best thing you can do during this time, many scientists say, is to just allow yourself to daydream. Uh, Shut that door, get into a place 15 to 20 minutes a day, and just just daydream and allow your brain to to reset, to to move back into a, a default mode. And it stimulates creativity. It stimulates, uh, uh, it removes the fog of the day. As we move throughout the day, our, our brain becomes foggy. It removes the fog. It allows us to be more productive in what we're doing throughout the day. But, but that time of isolation needs to be short. We, our children are isolating themselves for hours at a time, for hours, sometimes a whole weekend. Sometimes they come home, no school on the weekend, and we don't see them. They go into the room and we, and we never see them again. Relationships become shallow. Uh, their only relationships they have are online through social media. Those are very, very shallow relationships. Uh, th- there's no physical fellowship. That's the great danger with, that we're in right now with, uh, 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 with churches shutting down for COVID. Uh, that should not be happening. Uh, the, the, the church's responsibility is to remain open. I didn't say not be cautious. Certainly, caution uh, as, as that church deems fit, but shutting the church down is contrary to what we should be doing. Now, you're breeding, if your church is breeding isolation, your church is wrong. Our churches need to be open and welcoming people for fellowship and, and being engaged. You're, you're, you are feeding into this isolation that's destroying people. I, we, we read all the reports right now and all the data right now with, uh, with all the COVID shutdowns and isolation over the past two years as we head into our third year of this, um, it's, all the data's bad. <laughs> Mental health uh, problems are skyrocketing uh, on every level, not just our teenagers when we tie it into the COVID timeframe. So, but these, yeah, we're developing uh, shallow, hollow relationships. Uh, more and more young people are opting to stay home from church on Sundays. Uh, watching church online is good for a couple times a year if you're sick. Uh, it should not be your norm. Uh, it, school online should not be our norm. Uh, it's very, very, very dangerous, um, and, it, and it's breeding. If you're if you are a, a proponent of these things, you are feeding into the problem. You're not helping it at all. Uh, so, so those are those the five things that, that I believe that uh, that we're seeing right now. Those five things being, number one, comparison. Number two, uh, narcissism. Number three, addiction. Uh, number four, isolation. And uh, number five, and I've got them out of order just a little bit, busybodies. Let me say them again. Number one is comparison. Number two, uh, we're becoming busybodies. Number three, narcissism, an oversized view of who we are. Number four, addictions. And all of these tie back into addiction because all of these are going to help to, to stoke the, the fires of addiction. And number five is, is, is isolation. So um, I, I do this podcast today as, 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 as to help us. Remember, I, my, my job here is to help pastors, parents, loved ones um, to help the addicted my job is also to help the addicted and to build community around these issues and to to build teamwork around around these these issues that we're talking about and if you have a teenager right now who's struggling emotionally number one the first thing you need to do is love on them pray with them they're struggling if they're cutting if they're if they've attempted, or they're having suicidal ideations and suicidal thoughts, re- reaffirm them that they're a. They're not being punished by God. <laughs> they're they're not okay. The things that they're going through are most likely uh, a result of the consequences of being overstimulated um, and 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 comparing themselves and seeing themselves as less than. And in their minds, it's exaggerated. Adults, we, we have a bigger picture. We've been around the block a little bit. We understand that some of the things that they're seeing uh, are just simply not true. Okay, we have, we, have the, uh, we have the advantage of wisdom and experience. They don't. So you have to love on them. You have to pray with them. You have to reassure them they're not being punished by God. You have to reassure them, that, too, that we do live in a world, a fallen world, that's feeding us a, a lot of things. Number two is a parent, you need to parent. Uh, you got to love them, but you also got to, you, you must limit information if not shut it off altogether. Take away that phone. Keep them away from people who are not good for them. Other other teenagers um, who are, are not good for them. They may have developed some very um, not so good friends uh, they're in times of emotional distress because they'll tend to latch to anybody that they feel can make them feel a little better in the way they're thinking. And so we have to be very careful with the friends that they're developing. Number three, medication is never out of the question. If they need medication for a, a certain amount of time to help them get back to normal, but make sure that medication is prescribed in conjunction with solid Biblical therapeutic counseling, medication without therapy is shouldn't. If you have a doctor who's 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 giving you medication and and then not recommending uh, counseling, leave get away from that doctor. Okay, that 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 is not the intent of medication. Uh, they work hand in hand. Uh, we should never. I shouldn't say never, but for the vast majority of the time. Uh, medication, psychiatric medication is never intended for, uh, for for a lifetime, but that's what we're doing today because the counseling side of it's hard. The counseling side of it is difficult. Um, it's easy to just prescribe a medication. So those are the things that we need to be doing and you need to, you as a parent, need to engage with that child on a daily basis. Talk to them about their day. Talk to them about what they're thinking. Give them the freedom to be honest about how they're feeling, what they're, what they're going through and their emotions, um, whether you like what they're saying or not. <laughs> you may not like what they're saying and whether, where their thoughts are, but allow them to, to express those things and then bring them back to truth, bring them back to who God made them to be. Um, They're going to question everything when they're struggling emotionally and mentally. They're going to question because everything seems out of whack. So I hope that I've been a help to you here today. Um, Again, uh, we want to prevent addiction before it starts. And if we don't start engaging with our young people now, we're going to have an addiction crisis that is unbelievable. We think it's bad now. It, we won't have enough resources out there. The resources are already slim. It's expensive to, to, uh, uh, to help people. It's expensive for, uh, uh, to, to get help, medical help and, 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 and the psychological help and the spiritual help and all of those things that are needed. Remember, we have to remember something. Addiction is not just a, a body problem. It's not just the body that's addicted. It's not just the, the mind that's addicted. But it's, it's, it's all three of these things that must be addressed. It's the body, soul, and spirit. The body is obvious. We know what the body is. We all have one. We know what the soul is. That's our mind, will, and emotions. And, and so that is a critical piece of addiction as well. But none of it's corrected without the spiritual piece of it. None of, it, none of these things can bring us back, into a, our, back to truth and back to a right mindset without the spiritual, biblical piece of this. Uh, We can put Band-Aids on it, and we can cope with things, but we're not here to cope. We're not here to just cope with an addiction. We're here to gain victory over our addictions, and that's what we're looking for. So body, soul, spirit, all three have to be addressed in order to successfully overcome our addictions. Thank you so much for your time today, and we hope you have a wonderful day. We'll talk to you next time.